and you really think through your prepositions, you'll come to understand that, wait a second, that doesn't even make sense. Because if there is no God, then there is no morality, there is no good. And yet, intuitively, you can look at a painting and say, oh, that's beautiful, or not beautiful, or something that you hear on the radio, you can say that's bad, or that's good. And intuitively, you have a sense of right and wrong, because God has put it there in your heart, according to Romans. And so there aren't really atheists. They don't want to believe in God for their own sets of reasons. Now, you can also be an agnostic. Agnostic is a combination of two words, A meaning not, and Gnostic meaning knowledge. And you're saying, you know, I believe there's a God out there, but I don't know Him, and I can't know Him, and He doesn't even care if we have a relationship. But there are people out there that say, yeah, I think there's a God out there because they look at creation. They look at the DNA of a person. They look at the body's composition of just 96 cents worth of chemicals. You might be worth a little bit more these days. But if you were to be valued just based on your composition, you're you're worth about $1.50 mineral-wise. And so an agnostic says, no, I know that there's a God. I just don't know if I can know him. And so that for I don't know the path. I don't know how to get to God. And God really probably doesn't care about me because I'm so beneath him. And then the third kind of faith is, well, you're a God-fearer. You, you think that there's a God and that he's knowable and, and you kind of tiptoe around him. And there are a lot of Americans today, and let's just pick on America, they claim, I don't know what the percentages are, they're dropping every, every week, every month, every year, but 90% of Americans, let's just stay with that, believe that there's a higher God, that there's a higher power out there, that, and, and that it's connected somehow to Jesus. And they want to know enough about Jesus to get some fire insurance, but not enough about Jesus that they're changing their life. And then the fourth kind of faith is a believer. Someone that has come to know Christ and wants to follow Him and, and, and is making that effort. And, and so today we're going to look at faith. Uh, you know, we're in the book of Mark and we're in chapter 6 and Jesus Remember last week, fed 5,000 people, men. And what we're going to find out is the rest of the story. So you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, we have a few Bibles over there on that table. And I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. And we're going to pick it up at verse 45 out of Mark. Now John and Matthew also write about this same event. And we'll reference them as we go along. Verse 45 immediately, that is Jesus, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. So you got the scenario. Jesus sends the 12 disciples across the lake and he dismisses the crowd and then he goes up on the mountain to pray by himself. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, toiling, for the wind was against them. Now, it's the Passover, and so there's a full moon out there. So Jesus can see these guys. They're about three and a half miles out on the lake. 
And from his vantage point, he can see there, there's not a storm like there's rain. It's just a windstorm. And Jesus is watching these guys struggle to get across the lake. In fact, they're, they're being blown off course, so to speak. And about the fourth watch of the night, which is from 3 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning, somewhere around in there, maybe before dawn, Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. And he meant to pass by them. He had no trouble cutting through the wind. They couldn't. But he's just walking on through. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Jesus has mastery over this earth. And even though He can multiply bread to feed 15,000 people, they still aren't getting it. Now, another passage is going to say that they come to that realization and they're going to bow down and, and worship Him. Now, John tells us that after the feeding of the 5,000, the people wanted to make Jesus the King. Wouldn't you love to have a governor or a president that handed out free money all the time? Do we say woohoo? I mean, that's, isn't that what bread is to these people? If, if you could have a king that could just multiply bread out of nothing, he, he's my candidate. In fact, he can heal anybody that comes along his path. Anybody that's sick and troubled, boy, he can heal. He's a candidate. And according to John, it says that the people were going to come and make Jesus king by force. They wanted to start or kickstart the revolution against Rome. And they thought, woohoo, we got the guy. He can feed us. Man, his army, if it gets hurt, he just heals it. We're going to make Jesus king. And the disciples were getting caught up in this. So the disciples are sent off. And then Jesus dismisses the crowd. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. It says the devil left him and was going to come back at an opportune time. So I think Jesus was tempted here. He, he passed the test. But this was a shortcut. He could take on the kingdom and avoid the cross. And he knew it. And what did he do? He dismissed the disciples. He dismissed the crowd. And what did he do? He went up into the mountains to speak to his father. He sends him away. And whatever thought Satan may have tried to put in his mind, Jesus turned to the father. Now, the crowd. Let's talk about the crowd. And it's the very first fill in the blank. They had a faith that was based on self. The crowd had a faith in Jesus based on what they wanted. It's a wrong kind of faith. It's a self-centered kind of faith. When Jesus starts talking to you about dying to self or talking to someone else about dying to self, it becomes a little harder to follow Jesus. And when all your enemies aren't dying and you're having to die, it gets a little more difficult. In fact, 
Heather, the next slide says this. You could throw it up there. Hey, I, I believe it as long as I get what I want out of it. I'll believe in Jesus as long as I get what I want out of it. Now keep in mind, belief composes several things. It involves your mind. It involves your emotions. And it involves your will. And so when I say, I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, if I get my way. I'm willing to follow you, Jesus. Heal my wife. Heal my daughter. Heal my grandmother. And I'll follow you. Make my financial problems go away, Jesus, and I will follow you. When Jesus starts demanding His followers to trust Him, obey Him, die to self, and things aren't going the way they want, suddenly they stop following Jesus. After Jesus told this crowd later that He is the bread of life, do you know what many... Well, I'll just read for you. After this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. So Jesus turns to the twelve and He says, do you also want to go away? And Peter, classic Peter, he's the first to shout it out. He goes, where else will we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Maybe what you're telling us is hard and maybe we thought that coming to Jesus all my problems were going to go away. In fact, the more I know Jesus, the more He asks me to suffer because I have to constantly be dying to myself. I have to die to myself in my marriage. I have to die to myself in my, as, as a uh, father. I have to die to myself as a pastor. I have to die to myself to my neighbor. I am constantly learning to die to self. But Jesus is worth it. He's my everything. He's your everything. But there are some people that have a faith that's so weak that as soon as things get a little tough, they say, I'm not going to follow Christ anymore. Sometimes we call them sunshine Christians. Have you ever heard that term? Sunshine Christian means, oh, I follow Jesus when everything is going okay. And then when it gets rough, you know, I just kind of disappear into the woodwork. And then maybe a year or two later, I might float back into his life. Or the other is a stormy Christian. The only time you seek Jesus is when you have a problem. Suddenly I'm in jail. Suddenly I get a ticket. Suddenly I, some things are going on in my marriage and I'm like, oh Jesus, now I need you. Now I need you. Well, where was I the day before? Doing my own thing. And so this kind of faith, this crowd mentality faith is not your kind of faith. And then let's look at the disciples for a moment. Let's do the next fill in the blank, Heather. They had a faith. It was growing, but many times it was based on fear. The last time they were in a storm, do you remember what happened? Jesus was asleep in the boat. And when the boat started to sink, they just went over to Jesus and woke him up and said, don't you care that we're dying? And Jesus got up and rebuked the storm and the wind and everything calmed down. This time, Jesus isn't with them. In fact, He's the one that sent them across the lake without Him. Jesus is miles away. You know, this is a strong wind. I don't know if you've ever been out on a boat rowing it. 
or you've been walking or on a bicycle and you're going against a strong headwind. The word that was used in the original language means they were tormented. Do you know they've been in the boat for nine hours for a trip that's less than two miles long? Nine hours of constant rowing. They're exhausted. They're tired. They've had a long day. They've been up for over 24 hours. And they're going and going and going. They're getting exhausted. And then Jesus was about to start kick a, a revolution in their sin away. And so they're dealing with that emotion as well. Here's the, here's the slide. Jesus seemed far away and unavailable. Sometimes you're going through a trial. Sometimes you're going through a tribulation. Sometimes you're just going through trouble. If you're going through trouble, don't raise your hand, but say, well, don't even say amen. But you just nod your head. You know what it's like to go through trouble. And when we're basing our faith and focusing on fear, Jesus seems really far away. Some people go through cancer. And they keep their eyes on Jesus. And man, whether they win the battle or not, they have strength to get them through each and every door, day. And ultimately they win because they get to go home to be with Jesus. Or maybe you have some financial problems that just you, you can't see your way out. Maybe your relationship is so rocky with your children, they don't respect you, you don't love them, you're so frustrated at them, and you just think, I've destroyed my children. Any parent ever have that thought? I ruined my children? I ruined my children. Why is it that I can think of all the times I messed up as a parent, but thank Jesus that my daughters remind me that, hey, what about this, Dad? You did this, and that was good. Mom, you did this and that was good. And we don't even remember the, the things we did well. That just shows you it wasn't us. It was Jesus working in us. You feel alone sometimes in your struggle, don't you? But time and time again, can we have the next slide, Heather? Time and time again, Jesus demonstrates His loving willingness to do whatever is necessary to rescue his children you know god loves being the calvary god loves coming in at the last moment and and saving your hiney can i say that in church he loves to be the hero because he is the hero he is a warrior think of your own life and how many times has god showed up and saved your bacon Man, he saved my bacon so often. And, you know, I think maybe in heaven we might get to see the times he saved our bacon and we didn't even know our bacon was saved. When somebody ran a red light and you were distracted and, and you almost got T-boned, but somehow an angel came and protected you from trouble. Or somebody was about to steal your identity and because of something that God did, they weren't able to, and you have no idea that how much you have been protected. Are you a blessed person? I'm blessed. I am blessed. Look at this next slide. The storm is never so bad, the night never so dark, and the boat never so swamped beyond the rescue of Jesus. That's why as someone is still breathing, 
they have the chance to accept Christ. Because no one, no one, no one earns their way to heaven. Amen? It is by God's grace. Whether you accept Him when you're 5 or 50 or on your deathbed, it's the same blood that is powerful to cleanse us and rescue us. You know, they didn't start off exhausted. But exhaustion can lead you to fear, to giving up and losing hope. Focus on fear and you can start seeing things and imagining things. They thought they saw a ghost. It wasn't. It was really Jesus. And sometimes the wind and the waves and the fear overwhelm us and it, it just shuts us down. Do you know what I'm talking about when you get shut down? You just, you, you, you just shut down? Our middle daughter, Brittany, love her to death, but she's afraid of spiders. Are any of you afraid of spiders? Okay, we have a few. How about the little itsy-bitsy ones? So we are sitting watching a movie because that's what we did. We were TV-free for all our kids growing up, but we did rent movies. And we're all on the couch, and all, all five of us, and this little itsy-bitty spider starts walking across the floor, and Brittany's the only one with shoes on. You know where I'm going with this? Brittany, step on that spider. You think she did? Irrationally, she is afraid of spiders. Now she knows she's bigger than a spider. She's heavier than a spider. And all you do is have to go over there and do that, right? She didn't. We gave her a homework assignment to write how fear immobilizes us and how it is not honoring to God. Because God is, has always been there to rescue you. We don't have to be afraid anymore. He, he calmed them down. Do you, do you go back to the text? Do you see how He calmed them down? You have to kind of look for it. Immediately in verse 50, it says He what to them? Anybody? What did Jesus do in verse 50? To calm their fear. He spoke to them. They recognized His voice. You know, when you're in the midst of your pain, your trouble, your, your storm, this windstorm, Jesus feels like He's a thousand miles away. You think you're alone, and suddenly He speaks your name. And what does that do to your spirit? Oh man, I'm not alone. Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. Do you know he didn't have to walk on water to save them or to quiet their anxious hearts? But because he did, he demonstrated his love for them in a way that they would never forget. You don't forget when somebody walks on water, right? Do you know there are times in your life that he's walked on water for you? He's done a miracle and it was for you. He could have handled it a different way, but it was for you and your faith to grow your faith. See, he's not condemning them. He's growing their faith. And that leads us to the third point. 
A faith that's focused on Jesus. A faith that's focused on Jesus. Jesus comes to us in our storms. And yet Jesus is there. He came to the disciples during their storm. That's the next slide. Now I know many of you don't like this next slide and I don't like it, but I know as a father and as a parent and as somebody that loves children and loves adults that we can't enable our children or comfort them to the point that we make them useless to society. Somebody say amen. Jesus came to the disciples during their storm, but what's the next slide say? Jesus purposely allowed them to struggle. You ever let your children struggle? Of course you have. Because if you always are the one rescuing, what happens? They, they don't grow up. They don't grow up. You know those people that never grow up and then they go out into the real world and they, they what? They fall apart. They can't function. They can't cope their whole life because their parents had coddled them, enabled them. Jesus isn't a coddler. But He's not going to give you more than you can handle. But He's going to grow your faith, isn't He? Jesus always shows up when things are desperate. Otherwise, our faith isn't stretched. Bringing you comfort is not Jesus' number one goal in your life. Jesus' number one goal in your life is to grow your faith. How's He going to do that? By allowing you to struggle. Dare I say it? Suffer? You know the famous footprints in the sand? It's that concept. When we look back at our lives and we see that one pair of footsteps and it's Jesus's and we don't see ours, we think that Jesus abandoned us until we understand that is when He carried us because the struggle was so great we clung to Him. Jesus purposely allows you to struggle to grow your faith. Our need is always greatest before He intervenes. What is He doing? He's strengthening our faith. He's galvanizing our hope. Look at the next slide. Faith is strengthened when it faces trials and tribulations it has never faced before. And it comes through the other side of it by staying focused on who? Jesus. You know what happens? Been there, done that. Suddenly, when you come up against something that's overwhelming, it's no longer overwhelming because your faith has grown and you can do it. Do you know why people that win the big game usually have people that have already been in the big game? If you send all the rookies into the Super Bowl, I can almost guarantee you that that team's going to lose if they're playing against guys that have already been in the Super Bowl. Why? Been there, done that. They know what to expect. They know how the, it works. Do you know when God allows you to struggle and your faith is strengthened and increased, suddenly you have victory that you've never had before. How many of you like victory? Woohoo! Victory over pornography? Yes. 
Victory over a wandering eye? Yes. Victory over where I get my self-esteem, whether it's in my bank account or my car or my house or my Lord? Yes. I want it to be in my Lord. Man, we start having victory and then the... Satan just doesn't have much to throw at you. Been there, done that, Satan. I know your scheme there. I'm not going to fall prey to that. How about the next slide? If Jesus saw me through this rough patch, He can see me through another. Amen? Amen. We even didn't get to go to Matthew where it says that Peter got out on the boat because Jesus said, come to me. You know, here he is and Jesus says, hey, it's me, guys. And Peter says, "Is fits you, Lord. Command me to come out on the water to walk. And what does he do? He gets on the water and he starts walking. And what does he do? He takes his eyes off Jesus and starts to sink. And Jesus said, why did you doubt? Oh, ye of little faith. And yet, look at this next slide. It doesn't say this in the text, but this is, this is the way I'd think. And I think this is the way Peter's thinking. It's safer to be with Jesus on the water than to be in the boat without Jesus. I'd rather be in the furnace of my trouble with Jesus than not to have Jesus at all. Are you with me on that? Your faith needs to grow. Mine needs to grow. It can't stay one-dimensional. Man, there are a bunch of verses here that I have for you about your faith. Do you know you have an understanding faith? A faith that understands that the world were made by the Word of God. You have a saving faith because by grace you have been saved. You have a growing faith. You have a faith that works because faith without works is dead. You have a justifying faith that says that you are justified by your faith in Christ. You have a, a protecting faith. that The shield of faith is part of the spiritual warfare armor that you wear to, to stand up against the Satan and his thoughts. You've been purified by your faith. He says we have an asking faith. James says when we ask, we have to believe and not doubt. We have been strengthened in our faith. But the last is this. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Charles Spurgeon was a man that lived about 120 years ago. He was a famous preacher in England and really helped a nation. And he said this, I would recommend that you either believe God up to the hilt or else not to believe at all. Don't be a middle-of-the-roader kind of guy. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about the edge of the water is poor faith at best. It is better than a dry land faith, which is not good for much. So let me just ask you as I close down, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe it with your whole heart, your being? Does it actually impact your emotions? Does it actually then come out in the way you behave and your will? Does it change the way you think and your worldview and the way you process this world we live in?
Have you come to the same conclusion as the disciples in the other parallel passage where they said, truly, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Will you give your life to him? If you have not, then today's the day to make that decision. And if you have questions, you have a card that says, I wanna I wanna I wanna meet Rob, I have some questions. Or you know another Christian? Because it doesn't have to be me. Somebody else can lead you to the truth that's in the Word of God. Because you have enough knowledge of who Jesus is to lead anyone to Christ if you believe in Him yourself. You may not know everything, but if you're one of those persons that's your, your faith in doubt and you're just like, I just don't know, I just don't know, talk, reason, open the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit into your heart in such a way that He leads you to truth. The worst thing to do is to pretend that you have faith. Because that's worse than anything. So if you have a decision, make it. Ask questions if you have questions so that you can give your life fully to Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, I thank You for faith. I thank You that You grow our faith, that You make us struggle because You're the good Father and You love us so much and You're never ever forsaking us or leaving us and you're the hound dog of heaven you chase us down because you love us more than we could ever hope to imagine that's how big your love is for us father stretch our faith as we go through trials and tribulations and trouble and may you receive the glory as you change us from the inside out into the man or woman that you've called us to be we love you and we thank you in the name of jesus we pray God's people said, Amen.